Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. It's Friday! <laughs> August 7th. Lovely summer morning. David made me trellises for my new vines that I planted under the grape barber. He just made them yesterday, and I put them in place. They are not fancy. I told him they did not need to be fancy, but they're really neat. They um, got a nice pattern, and I'll either paint them or let them weather. have to decide. We've kind of been talking about painting the supports of the arbor, you know, but that really has to happen either in winter or early spring when we don't have any leaves on there. So, who knows? Who knows when that will occur? <sighs> My mind is a, is a blank this morning. What am I thinking about? I don't know. What are you thinking about, Jeffy? Let's see. We could start with where I'm at with the work. I am... Finishing that final pass of this revision. I feel like I need a particular name for this. It's just, I'm just finishing this developmental edit. And I'm doing my final read-through and tweaking and tightening. Um, adding in a few things I make note of as I go. So, some days are faster than others. Some hours are faster than others. If I'm going along at a good clip, I'm getting through 30 pages an hour, which Dorinda says is good. She says that's about as fast as she goes. Um, it feels a little slowish to me, but that's, I mean, that's nearly 100 pages a day, right? If I did, if I really did 30 every hour. Um, but then I, I hit some rough patches and, and I slow down. So I go as slow as 10 pages an hour. Um, which I know is still pretty good for for revision, but you know theoretically i've I've done most of the revising so so we'll see. I've got something like a hundred and sixty pages left to get through. Will I get through them today? Maybe, maybe not um, because Dorinda is working very hard to get this draft of her book done. She has been working every day. I don't know how she does it. And I can tell she's starting to get tired. And she's like, oh, but I have to get it done. I'm like, yeah, you should take a break. <laughs> take a break. I, that's from Hamilton, of course. So many great lines in Hamilton. Um, so, yeah, I may, and I told her that if I don't get through the rest of the pages today, I will probably pop in and work with her probably tomorrow. Tomorrow or Sunday, we'll see. I might look at the weather. But I would, um, I really do kind of want to get this done. It's it's due on Monday. Is that right? Yeah, because today's the 7th. I was thinking, but today's the 6th. No, I even said it was the 7th. Yeah, it's due on the 10th. And so I could work on it on Monday and send it to Jenny then. But I really kind of want it done so I can go back to Dark Wizard on Monday, you know? 
we're um, starting up a beta reading group here in New Mexico, Santa Fe, Albuquerque area. It's for, for those of us who are a bit farther along and don't really need a critique group, but we want to be able to um, bounce pages off of each other. So I'm kind of looking forward to being able to share Dark Wizard with that group. We're still sort of thrashing out logistics, but I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be great. Um, it's always good to have that kind of community anyway. And I am working on putting the mastermind stuff together. I really appreciate those of you who immediately put up your hands. And we're, I'm going to do it. I'm putting my materials together and I'm going to to let you all know and broadcast a bit more widely, see if we get some other hands up. But we have enough for our initial group. Uh, and while not everybody is perfectly matched career stage-wise, that's not always important. Um, despite what I was explaining when I talked about it on Monday, on the Monday podcast, um, what's most important is the harmony and being able to support each other. So I'll see who all we get, but I think it's better to get it started and get people going than wait for the perfect match. You know, like I, I was using the example of champagne problems. One way to, to, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word I want. I can't think of it. Avoid, defray. Anyway, to not have people saying, oh, that's a champagne problem, is to have people who are supportive <laughs> and wouldn't say that. Um, it takes a recognition that no matter what stage of career you're at, um, a problem is a problem. And I think that's something that, that we kind of look at socially overall, you know, that I think particularly as Americans, we have become very self-conscious of, of our privilege, those of us who have a lot of privilege. But, you know, in general, as Americans, having privilege, more privilege than other parts of the world. So, <laughs> what, what movie is it? Was it Notting Hill? Where the one guy who is, like, he's always bringing up, you know, starvation in Africa or Middle East debt, you know, when people are saying, well, I have a, I have a problem. It's like, you know, compared to Middle East, <laughs> this kind of thing. You will always have someone in your life like that. That's probably why that's funny. Because if you talk about a problem that you have, people will inevitably point out someone who has a far worse problem. And while it's good to keep those things in perspective, to realize that your that the thing that's bothering you may not be that important in the scale of human existence, right? That doesn't mean that it's not bothering you. And my yoga teacher, I've been getting back to doing the online yoga, and she was mentioning that in the course of the yoga class. One thing I like about the way she teaches is, especially with yin yoga, where we're holding long positions or positions for a very long time, she talks about philosophy. And 
she was talking about oh now I'm not gonna be able to think of the word she used it's not deprogramming it's kind of like um <laughs> I must be a little it's Friday so my brain's a little bit tired um, I might think of it later if not, I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes. Uh, but, you know, she talks about how in yin yoga that you ramp yourself down, right? You know, that you're um, taking yourself from the very busy, active state. And you use breathing and you relax and you sink into it. And you take your, oh, deregulation. That's it. Deregulation and re-regulation. So, you know, she's talking about the deregulating and some, and she was talking about re-regulating and somebody asked her on the chat, which is, I guess is the advantage of Zoom. We can't put up our hands, what that meant, the re-regulating. And she was saying that ideally what we all want is to be able to maintain our lives at an even keel. And this is, you know, this interfaces with the Taoism ideas, right? Too. We want to, we want to be able to handle things. We want to be able to remain calm in the face of adversity. We want to be able to roll with the punches, as it were. And she was saying, so the deregulating is taking us down from that very anxious, active state, maybe over-anxious, into a calmness. But ideally, what we want to do is be at that calm level all the time, that we re-regulate ourselves to exist at that level. And so when something happens, we might be temporarily knocked off balance by it, but then we find that equilibrium again. And that's, um, you know, that's really at the heart of Taoism, too. You know, it's the being part of nature. It's being part of things and... One of the jokes in martial arts is, you know, like in Tai Chi, where they consider themselves to be a more combative martial art. And they'll say, well, you know, yoga is fine, but what happens when someone knocks you off your pillow? And which I find really funny because the whole point of the yogi practice is that if somebody knocks you off your pillow, you get back on your pillow. <laughs> some asshole comes along and kicks you in the face, you get back on your pillow and you resume your meditation, which is the entire point. I don't remember how I got off on that whole tangent. Let's see here. So, mastermind and Taoism, yoga, it's all part of the brand here, our first cup of coffee. <laughs> If we were sitting together, this is what I would say. So what's going on in your life? <laughs> Enough about me. Uh, so, let's see. So I may come back tomorrow and work with Dorinda, finish that stuff, because I want to go back to Dark Wizard. I said all these things. Huh. Oh, well. Um, let's see. What else do I have to say today? I've been thinking about a few things lately that I wanted to mention. One is, I wanted to talk a little bit about those of you who may or may not have seen the stuff going on about Cressley Cole. Cressley Cole is an urban fantasy, paranormal romance author. She um, is pretty far ahead of me. She was um, 
know, writing bestsellers when I was a newbie starting out. And she, I don't know her. I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with her. I will tell you one thing that stands out to me is um, one of my friends who was like at the same level as I was. We were shopping our first books at the same time. And um, she has a kind of a jealous and caustic personality at times. But she had gone to, we were at RWA, and she had gone to her first publisher party because she had just gotten her book deal. And Chrisley Cole was at her same publisher at the time. And my friend came back and she said, um, she said, yeah, and Chrisley Cole was, she had a miserable time, right? <laughs> it's like one of those things, right? The, you know, like the story of you'll find those same kinds of people there. I should explain these stories. I, I realize I don't explain things. I reference things, but I don't explain them. Um, but then I worry about getting back to my topic. So I have to remember Chrisley Cole. So there's this, um, it's, a, it's really a Dallas story where, uh, say, the farmer is out in his field and someone comes riding along the road and says, um, hey, farmer, what kind of uh, folks are up in the town ahead? And the farmer says, well, what town did you come from? And he says, oh, you know, I, I, I came from that town back down on the river and I just hate everybody there. They're all thieves and liars and miserable human beings and I had to get away. I'm looking for a better place. And the farmer said, well, you're going to find those same kinds of people up ahead. And the guy's like, ah, and goes storming off down the road. And the farmer works a little bit longer and another person comes along and says, uh, hey, farmer, what, what kind of folks are up in the, the town ahead there? And the farmer says, well, where'd you come from? And he says, oh, you know, I came from... Um, up the hill there, and I, I was sorry I had to go because those were just the kindest, most generous, happy people I've ever met. And I, I was sorry to go, but I've got to move on and find a new place to sell my goods. And the farmer said, well, then you're in luck because you're going to find those exact same people the farm at the town ahead. With our moral, of course, being that you find what you look for and that what you think of other people says a lot more about you <laughs> than them so i have always remembered my friend complaining bitterly about this party where you know they were taken to a wonderful place and given free food and booze and feted and so forth and and her entire focus was on the authors who were um treated as more important than she was but she said yeah chrisley cole was pounding champagne like a sorority girl always sticks to my head. <laughs> and for me, this is like not a negative thing. <laughs> you will find the same kind of people, right? Um, pounding champagne like a sorority girl is my, sorority girl is my jam. Um, I am, I was a sorority girl and I love champagne. And I think that probably pounding champagne like a sorority girl is well within my skill set. So I've always been kind of sorry that I didn't get to pound champagne with Chris Cole. So anyway, we've never had a conversation. But I know who she is, of course. And some readers started this campaign because apparently Cressley has not published a book since 2017. Uh, she has something going on, and I don't know what it is. Um, her close friends do know what it is and aren't saying to protect her privacy, which is as it should be. 
Um, but she has said that she's totally stepped away from all social media and she is dealing with whatever things she's dealing with, you know, as human beings do. So some chick started this thing on Facebook where, you know, she was ranting, put up this post saying that she went to a bookstore to ask when the next Cressley Cole book was going to be out because it was supposed to be out in 2020. And the bookseller was looking it up and she said, you know, Cressley hasn't published a book since 2017. I wouldn't hold your breath. And this just like knocked this girl over the fucking edge, right? And so she started a petition to tell Cressley Cole to write faster or to get over whatever it is that she's doing and write faster. <coughs> and I was talking about it with one of my other writer friends who does know Cressley. And she said, you know, I'm just going to email her and tell her that, you know, and just give her my sympathy and saying, you know, don't listen to the fucking fuckers, which has been the general reaction. You know, more people have been like, this is not how you treat another human being. Uh, and I said, well, you know, give her my sympathy too. And I said, except she doesn't know who I am. And my friend is like, oh, I'm sure she knows who you are. And I'm like, eh, I don't know who she does. But, you know, however you want to convey that, that I want, you know, she has my support. And I said, but, you know, like not in a stranger danger kind of way. <laughs> um, and apparently, Chrisley wrote her back and had had no idea that was going on because she had so thoroughly stepped away from social media. And my friend said, don't look. Just you're doing the right thing. Don't go look at social media because... It's stupid. Um, and at the same time, Corrine shared something with me that some other authors had put out that they were going to have to delay a book. And several of her friends were um, posting to the internet and complaining and saying, well, you know, with, with COVID, I would think that writers would have more time to be at home and write. I don't understand why they're able to write less. <laughs> you know, I'm... I'm good at having my even keel, but so many people have found the anxiety to be crushing, you know, it's, and even people who maybe have more time to be at home and write, you have to realize that they also have all of their family home too, you know, and it's really hard to, to write with a lot of people in the house. Oh, I've got hiccups. I got so upset. I got hiccups. So I don't know. Maybe it's, um, easy to not regard writers as as fragile human beings but you know maybe we can all just sort of practice a little bit more compassion and tolerance huh? not that i'm, I'm probably i know i'm pe preaching to the choir because none of you would be doing that but uh you know it's amazing how people are there's a certain element who are like I want my thing. I know what I got tangentialized. That's absolutely a word off of before. I was talking about privilege as Americans. That we often feel because of our privilege that our problems are not worthy of um, being treated as important. The whole champagne. You know, we used to say first world problems and then realize that that's really not a wonderful thing to say. Um. You know, and so champagne problems. It's funny, champagne came up twice, isn't it? Pounding champagne like a sorority girl. Uh, which, you know, if you do too much of that, that can be a problem. <laughs> My mom 
and her friends have a saying that they say that they were overserved <laughs> the next morning. It's not I drank too much. It was I was overserved. Uh, you know, it's I think a lot of people get in that situation too. Like if you are, um, say, your spouse is someone who is chronically ill. And they are constantly dealing with physical problems. And let's say you are dealing with, you know, being sick or having some physical problem. It can be, it can feel like you shouldn't say anything about not feeling good because they always feel worse. And I think we do that in sort of as a society, you know, it's sort of like the, oh, you think you have problems you know, how about the starving people in Africa? They have problems. You know, but the thing is, is that we all have problems. And we all have to find solutions to our problems. And that's where the, the re-regulating comes in. It's, it's finding ways to solve our problems and feel good about our lives and ourselves. And having other people be supportive of that is really key. Because having someone tell you that your problem is a champagne problem. Oh, I wish I had your problems. You guys heard that one before. You know, it's like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I don't want these problems. I, I wish I didn't have these problems. Um, it's not a way of being supportive of each other. And that's what we need to do. So, sorry, vast circle there. But, um, heck, maybe we should all... Get a little champagne tonight. If you indulge, uh, lift a glass to to everyone being able to to find joy in their lives, right? Find some joy, find some peace, find that re-regulation point. So, cheers to a good weekend. I will talk to you all on Monday. First cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find other podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You all take care. Bye-bye.